Hello. I am coming to you from underneath the blazing Sagittarius sun at the center of our solar system. This is a series called Solo Soliloquies, where I come to you on my own to talk about the themes of the season, what's on my mind, on my heart, what I feel needs to be spoken about regarding these themes of Sagittarius season. And my goal is that even if you don't consider yourself a person who cares too much about astrology, that there still may be something of interest for you in what I have to share here tonight. Because yes, I come to you as a Sagittarius person born in the season, but I also just come to you as a fellow human. And I know that we all carry wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, virtues, and perspectives that are helpful to each other. Whether you agree with them or if they help you better define your disagreements, um, I'm here for all of it. So thank you for joining me tonight on another episode of Prismatic Perspectives. When I was writing my notes for this episode, I had quite a lot to say. And in true Sagittarius fashion, it almost seemed like a few too many ideas to include um, a wise random stranger at a coffee shop a few years ago told me that it's true that I can do anything, but I can't do everything. And that's the reason that it's important to focus my efforts in this lifetime. And I've made an effort to do so since that day. So Sagittarius is ruled by the planet Jupiter. And Jupiter is so big. <laughs> It's made of gas, and it's bigger than any other planet in our solar system, although it's not the heaviest by far. Because it's so big, it pulls in a lot of the debris that floats by in space, and for this reason, Jupiter has accumulated 80 moons and continues to bring in more all the time. Jupiter has so many moons that 23 of them have yet to be named. And I think this reminds me a lot of the Sagittarius people I know in my life, and especially myself. Um, I've always been a person to have a few too many hobbies. Um, I don't think it's too many, but the people that I talk to always say, wow, that's a lot. And I'm like, oh, actually, that's just like my top six priorities. <laughs> the rest are on the back burner simmering. And they're like, hey, okay, sweetie, but like, how big is your stove? Um... <laughs> And to that, you know, I say that all of these things that I do are important to me, you know? I mean, I'm a speaker, I'm an artist, I make pottery, I make music, I write poetry, you know, I write philosophy, I learn, I study, I make art, I model for artists, I was a counselor for a long time, you know, for a while I was building mobiles, um... <laughs> The list goes on and on. Um, but there are just certain things in life that just feel non-negotiable, you know? When you find something and you fall in love with it, it's like, how are you supposed to not do that thing? Like, am I just going to let this go? You know, when the muse finds you, it's almost irresponsible not to give it a safe place to land. Um, but I guess I'll get to that. 
in this vein of thinking, um, there's one idea that's really helped me out, um, and it's the notion of spinning plates. If you've heard this before, it's, um, it's like an old circus trick where you take a plate on top of a stick and you spin it, but the, the circus performers would spin just not one plate, but two, three, four, five, balanced on their knee and their head and their nose and their hands and their arms. It's very impressive to watch for sure. And the momentum of the plate spinning is one of the things that keeps it balanced and up in the air. And, you know, when I think about like the things that I am dedicating some of my life energy to doing that feel like these non-negotiable things, um, something that I think of is it's okay to spin a lot of plates as long as you know that, you know, when a plate is dropped, is it the kind of plate that will bounce or is it the kind of plate that will break? And to know this difference can allow you to prioritize and sometimes put a few things down and pick them back up when the time is right. And to really work with the rhythm of our momentum. Um, you know, working on things when they feel like they may come about easily. And if you're getting a lot of resistance with something you're doing, maybe just put it down for a bit. Focus on something else. Um, that's another thing I really love about having so many hobbies is I almost never face writer's block because... If something isn't flowing, I just turn my attention to something else and then it flows there, you know? It's very, very rare that no creative pursuit has any kind of flow to it. There's always some way, something that will work for me. You know, if I sit down to write music and it's not working, I'll hop on the pottery wheel, you know, things like that. Everybody has a different life. I'm not saying this is what you need to do, but it's what works for me. And honestly, it brings me a lot of joy. So this idea of the plates spinning and the momentum being the thing that keeps them up in the air, I think momentum has an awful lot to do with Sagittarius energy. Um, Sagittarius is represented by the centaur, which has a lot of like horse energy to it. But it's not a regular horse, it's like magical, mystical horse in the forest. You know, when I think about a horse, like yeah, they take time to rest, but it's really, really important for them to be able to run freely. And I think once they get going, the speed is something that feels really good to them. Um, if you've ever ridden on a horse, you'll know that when a horse is walking, it's, it's a little bumpy up there. And then they start to trot and it gets bumpier and then they start to canter. And it's like, oh my God, I'm bruising my bum and I'm definitely going to fall off. <laughs> and then they reach the gallop and the gallop is smooth. <laughs> You know, so, not to mix metaphors, but it kind of reminds me of, like, riding on a bike and how hard it is to ride a bike slowly. I learned how to ride a bike in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, before that, I had never gotten the training wheels off. Um, and getting the training wheels off when COVID hit, I think, is a thing a lot of people experienced in a few different ways. But yeah, so learning how to ride a bike, I knew that it was important for me to just pick up speed and that as soon as I was going fast enough, I wouldn't have to worry so much about balance because the forward momentum has balance built into it. And this is how I feel as a person as well. If I'm working towards things, if I'm seeking progress and learning, I feel quite good. But as soon as I start to stagnate, I start to wonder where I'm headed. The destination becomes less clear. Now, stagnation is not to be confused with rest, not to be confused with 
the pulling back process, which is incredibly important, and I will talk about it in a moment. But first, I want to mention Saturn. So I can't talk about Jupiter without talking about Saturn. Jupiter ruling Sagittarius is all about expansion and optimism and luck and kind of living by the seat of your pants, right? And Saturn is like this beautiful counterpart to it. And Saturn gets a bad rap because it's a planet of responsibility and it's a planet of restriction and constriction. Um, But I think it's a crucial part of working with Jupiter energy is to also understand, you know, doing all of this expanding, you also have to understand the necessary contraction. So I was thinking the other day about a peace sign, and stick with me here. I know it's a little random, but I promise all of these things tie in together. So the peace sign, when you hold up two fingers, your pointer finger and your middle finger, in traditional palmistry and in some forms of yoga, um, the pointer finger represents Jupiter and our connection with that planet. And Saturn is represented by the middle finger. So when we hold up a peace sign, we are signaling to both of these planets at once. So I think that this teaches us that the secret to peace, to harmony, and goodness is to find this complementary co-action of Jupiter and Saturn energy of the expansion and the contraction working inseparably with each other. You know, this is all over nature. It's the inhale and the exhale. It's the beating of the heart. You know, this uh, this tensing up and then releasing its present in the orgasm. And in childbirth itself, when people start to have contractions, they're not just contracted the whole time, right? You contract and then you release. And it's that wave of the back and forth that brings upon labor for the waters to break and the child to come into this world, right? So this this peace, this creation, this sustenance, the sacred middleness is what I like to call it. And Saturn is also about like the everyday work that we put into things, you know? So if you if you live by luck, there's not a lot of meth- like methodical work that goes into things, right? You kind of just catch the current when it's there and you get to where you need to go, which is a beautiful way to live. Um, and very much supports the Sagittarian need for absolute freedom. But a few years back, I was thinking about freedom and what it means to be free. And how many times I had said no to various commitments in my life because I didn't want to feel unfree because of them. But then I realized, if I'm not free to commit, am I really free? Am I placing limits on myself and not committing in that I'm not free to dedicate myself to anything. It's almost like commitment. The Saturnian ideal is the final frontier of freedom for me. And as I get older, I have woven that lesson into seeing projects through in my own time, in their own rhythm, with the system of moving between different mediums. But to not constantly be abandoning things that I had started. You know, the lack of commitment stopped feeling like expansion and kind of started to feel like constriction for me. 
So it's, there's an interesting dichotomy here because the sign is known as being incredibly independent, almost to a fault sometimes, you know? It's like the Sagittarius is the kind of person, like you bring them to a party and then you don't see them for a few hours, you know? And then you run into each other and they're like friends with the whole party and they didn't know anyone when they walked in and, <laughs> you know, maybe they don't even they don't even leave with you at the end of the night, but they're glad you're there. And maybe the next day you'll go out and get brunch and you'll talk about everything that you learned, right? So to be so independent, but to also be so social, it's kind of interesting because normally when you think about um, someone being independent, like I think about someone being like on their own, like almost like a hermit kind of energy. But it doesn't have to be like that, right? And all of this adventuring and philosophy and travel that Sagittarius is known for uh, my question that I think is incredibly important at the heart of it is, like, what is it all for, right? Like, is this just, like, oh, I want to have a good time. I want to be excited. I want to be, you know, jovial. And that's why I am seeking out all of these new experiences. And to that, I say no. I think this is one of the areas where Sagittarius is very misunderstood. Because we're not just traveling to have a good time and to get out and be adventurous. Um, although that is certainly a part of it. But I think there's two main things that are going on when a Sagittarius is off on some adventure. I think the first one um, has a lot to do with expansion and contraction. And it's this idea of venturing out to find home again. And venturing out to learn from other people from other places, from other ideas, and then to bring those things back home. The Sagittarians in your life, when you when you see them when they come back from their travels, they're like always a little different, right? They're always a little bit of a different person. Text to bring the unfamiliar back to the familiar, it's quite beautiful. And, you know, the second thing is, it's similar to venturing out to find home again, but this, I speak more about finding home in oneself, um, Sagittarius being a mutable sign, we can get by in a lot of different environments. Um, you know, and throughout my 20s, I've lived in a lot of different places. And one of the reasons for that and the reasons for all of my mobility is because I really, in a deep soul way, needed to parse out, like, what was me and what was my environment. <laughs> The things I like, my style, my virtues, my values, were they coming from the people around me? Were they coming from my context? Or is this something that truly feels like it belongs within me? And this process of self-definition in light of our context, I think, is very important because it breeds integrity. Right? The word integrity means integral. And integral means what is truly a part of you. And I think sometimes like the best way to find out what is truly a part of us is to go somewhere where everything is different except for us. And then like, what are you left with? <laughs> you know, is there anything you say when you're in a different context where you're like, wait, I actually don't even believe that. You know, or maybe I don't like this as much as I thought I did. Or maybe you find something new that you love and you're like, oh, I would have never been exposed to this if I stayed in one place. So, you know, it gets chalked up to restlessness, but I think really that restlessness comes from a place of needing to find not just identity, but like true selfhood. 
and you know this adherence to integrity is I don't know if it's a Sagittarius thing or if it's just a me thing, but I am so, <laughs> so dedicated to my own integrity that it actually like trips me up sometimes because I really can't do things that I don't think are right. Like if I'm talking to you and I say something and I realize that like, that it came out in a, a way that I don't actually agree with, like it's going to eat me up until I say something, you know? Or like going into a job that I don't feel passionate about. But I'm finding my way towards building a life that does hold me in integrity. And I really wish that for everybody. You know, I think the world would be so beautiful and so much better off if we could all just spend our time doing the things that we care the most about and the things that we are best at. And that's my prayer for the future. You know, I envision a future where people are able to do that and how much progress and you know, not the progress of, like, flying cars, right, but the progress of, like, a deeply connected, integrated, healthy society where people are fulfilled and doing okay and where our planet is okay. You know, I think that's obviously super important. So the sign of Sagittarius is also related to the idea of archery, right? We're not just the centaur, but we're the centaur with the bow and the arrow, and when you do archery, you're often aiming at far-off targets. And I think as I shift my life towards something that feels more cohesive and coherent for me, sometimes I aim at things that are really far away. And I trust my aim, right? I trust the vector of the arrow. Like, a vector is velocity plus direction. Momentum plus direction. You know, so if I'm able to see something really, really far away and I can feel into a goal before I even fully know what it is and I can start to aim my arrow in that direction, it's easy for that to look to other people like I'm aiming at something that isn't there <laughs> and that I should instead focus on things that are closer. But that's okay. I don't need everybody to understand. You know, and... If you knew the targets like I did, you would know that it's worth it. And that trust, that trust is very Jupiterian. I know the universe has my back. And that these things that I'm aiming for are worth a hell of a lot. A heaven of a lot. And another thing about archery, right? We talk all of this about forward moment, momentum. We talk all of this about like forward momentum and speed and running towards the target, but people forget that when you pick up a bow and arrow, the first thing you have to do in order to make your shot after you aim is you pull back on the bow. This is not always about forward momentum, okay? Because the forward momentum comes from a backwards pull. And I think that's Saturn. And I think that is why so many of the Sagittarians that I know tend to kind of disappear sometimes. You know, we fall off the map, and I think that is, that's our backwards momentum. That's our pulling back so that we can go forward. And it's a rhythm I'm quite familiar with, and I think it's quite helpful. Now there's a group of stars out in space called Centaurus. There's Centaurus A, Centaurus B. And Centaurus C. And I don't know too much about them, honestly. But when I feel into it, 
I mean, I've never really ascribed to being like a star seed or anything like that. I very much feel that I am from the earth. I'm of earth, you know, I'm for, for crying out loud, my name is Eve. You know, she was the first person here, so <laughs> I guess the second person here. Um, but when I feel into it, you know, if I had to pick a star system to be from besides our sun, I think Centaurus B rings quite true. If you know anything about it, please let me know. I would love to learn more. I haven't really found too much information out there. Um, but I do think that most people, if you if you tune in um, intuitively to the different star systems, there's usually one or two that seem to resonate more than the rest, and I'm really curious about why that is. So I talk about like the Sagittarius, like learning through their travels and bringing information back. And one idea that I was introduced to recently that's pretty freaking far out um, when it comes to star systems and why we may be so interested in them um, is this idea that at the bottom of the ocean, there's a black hole that goes to outer space, like a portal. And when I heard about this, I was like, oh, for some reason that actually feels really true to me. You know, I've always said that deep ocean kind of feels a little bit like outer space, right? And whales and dolphins, like, I'm really not so sure that they're from here. I know people talk about there being whales and um, the Sirius star system. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty esoteric, but, you know, sometimes you just hear something and it just feels like, oh yeah, you know, that could be right. And that's how I felt about this. And we know on Earth that all life on land um, initially crawled out of the ocean. So if there's a black hole at the bottom of the ocean and then, you know, the life on land crawled out of the ocean and humans evolved from that, like, maybe there's a way for me to be from Earth and also from outer space at the same time. So that's just a little piece of philosophy that I wanted to bring back to you from my travels. Um, I was talking to someone about it recently. I actually just took a train all the way across the country, um, all the way to San Francisco. And that forward momentum felt really, really good for me. And I was talking to someone on the train about the black hole in the ocean, and that's how this all came up. And I probably wouldn't have been introduced to that idea in the same way if I hadn't taken this trip. It's like the serendipity of our travels. You never know what you might run into. But, you know, you also have to talk to strangers and keep an open mind and don't be too quick to shut people down if they're telling you things that you're kind of like, huh? Um, Because if you just let people talk, you'd be surprised about kind of like the, what they have to back up their ideas. Um... And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, maybe you agree with them and maybe you don't, but even if you don't, they're giving you, giving you ways to kind of back up your disagreement. Either way, you're forming your own opinions, you know, and I think that's really beautiful. That's that independence, you know, that's that selfhood. So sitting on the train, moving forward for I don't know how many miles, I was on the train for like three, three nights and four days going through all these different terrains and one thing I really loved about it is that the course was set you know there was no question of like which way the train was going to go I knew it was just going to be on the tracks until I got to my destination um and it reminds me of the arrow like once the arrow leaves the bow like the course is set and you just have to let go and trust 
like they say when you're doing manifestation work that like once you've done your manifestation work like you have to let it go if you try to keep holding on to it it's not going to work you know if i try to alter the course of the arrow once it's off the bow like i'm probably just going to mess things up um so the trust of sitting on the train and not trying to steer it at all but just knowing that i'm getting where i'm going and that you know the target has been set when i climbed aboard and trusting that when I disembark, I'm going to be somewhere good. And that no matter what I find when I get off that train, you know, I'm going to learn something from it. And that's enough to keep me going. You know, it reminds me of the idea of destiny. And I know not everybody believes in destiny, but I understand that. Because a lot of people believe in free will, you know, free will, free will feels good. It feels important, it feels empowering, you know, and if there's a way for us to have both free will and destiny, I think that would be wonderful. And it makes me think a little bit about the last podcast episode, we were talking about the hero's journey and answering the call or not answering the call, and maybe the free will is like whether or not you get on the train, but once you're on the train, you're on your way, you know? (laughs) So the body part that's ruled by Sagittarius is the thighs and the hips in the butt <laughs> and if you meet people that are Sagittarian they're usually going to have pretty pronounced features in this area <laughs> people that know me in life you know this is true you know I got I got a little booty to me um, but aside from all that I think it's actually quite profound because these are body parts that give us a lot of ability to run and a lot of ability to move right it's the forward momentum and the ability to get up from sitting down is in the thighs you know, so unfortunately, momentum, you know, is related to the idea of inertia. And inertia, inertia is the same thing as momentum when we're in movement, but it also is the tendency of an object at rest to stay at rest. You know, so the Sagittarius medicine, I think, is to be able to break through the stillness of inertia you know, the stillness of sitting down when you know that you've been sitting down for a little bit too long and to get up and do something, you know, maybe start by wiggling your toes or, you know, they say, you know, if you ever get stuck in a hole of like ADHD paralysis or anything similar to that, you know, if you're dissociating or anything like that, um, it's just to stand up. And you don't even have to go do anything, you know? Just say, like, okay, I'm just going to stop what I'm doing and stand up. And then as soon as you do that, you know, you give your brain and your body permission to be like, oh, I can move. I can do things, you know? And and then the wheels start turning and you're like, okay, maybe there's there's a little more that I can get done here. There's a little more I can do, something that will serve me better than staying in this space. And again, I love rest, Okay. I'm not trying to say that it's not good to rest, you know. Um, It's a crucial part of the process, of course. Um, And it's a big part of sustaining, you know. But in the season at this time, I do think there's a lot to be said for gaining momentum and allowing ourselves to move. And a lot of times I will ask myself, like, okay, do I need the stillness of... And a lot of times I will ask myself, like, okay, do I need the medicine of stillness at this time or do I need the medicine of movement at this time? And it's quite often either one or the other. Um, and I think listening to that is really important. Um, so please take heed if you like. You don't have to listen to me, but I think it's a good idea. 
So the element associated with the sign is fire. Um, mutable fire specifically. Um, and what that means is it's changing fire, changeable fire, fire that changes and fire that does not remain stagnant. And I think the idea of mutable fire is quite interesting because I've never seen a fire stay still for too long. You know, even if you just light a simple candle, the flame flickers um, and will grow large or small depending upon a few different factors. And in Judaism, there's this idea that all fire is one thing. And when you light a candle, it's not called lighting the fire, but it's called inviting the fire. And it's spoken in Hebrew, to invite the fire. You know, and then when you blow it out, it kind of just like waits to be lit and invited again. And this reminds me a lot of this idea of the traveling Sagittarius finding themselves in every place they ever go. You know, it's like if I'm invited to... If I'm inviting myself to a space and I arrive there, I can invite the fire in, and boom, there I am. And I'm always learning. I'm always taking notes, you know. And even fire rests sometimes, too, you know. Fire is so much about the things that we feed it, right? Fire needs fuel and oxygen. And the way to control how big or small the fire is, is to control what you're feeding it. And when the fire needs to rest, it dies down to embers, but it's still so ready to be lit again if you just give it a little more fuel. And sometimes that fuel is rest, and sometimes it's inspiration. Sometimes it's freedom, creativity, resources, community, friendship, to move the body. All of these things are quite good. If you think about what fire actually is, it's the breaking of carbon bonds. You know, it's the energy of division. <laughs> and that's part of the reason that the transformation that happens through flame cannot be undone. And I think that's beautiful because there's both an element of creation and destruction involved. You know, we just came from a season of kind of knocking everything down, and this is like the final alchemy to it. Um, and next we have Capricorn season. And after that, Aquarius season, and interestingly, both of those signs are ruled by Saturn. To say like, okay, well, what are you going to do with it? You know, Capricorn helps us get to work, and then Aquarius helps us help other people with our work and be of service. But more on that later. Of course, of course, all things in due time. Right, I think Scorpio transforms us in the dark and then Sagittarius transforms us in the light. And I always say like some changes rise better in smoke than in flame, you know? But either way, fire's gonna take care of it. Depending upon the temperance of the flame, you know, it can be warming and the hearth and the home or it can be destructive. So it's important not to burn too hot and too bright, right? But to kind of manage how much fire would you have and you know, make sure that, that you're doling it out in the right amount, which is why, you know, as a Sagittarius, I have to learn not to work on a project until five in the morning. When I first started making pottery, I would stay in the studio until like 3 a.m. like every night, and I totally burnt out, right? Burnt out. And, you know, I had to learn to just keep myself at like 80%. Like when I gave 80% of all I had to give, like that's when it's time to go home. When you still have 20% left, you know? When you could still go a little harder, like, don't. 
and that's Temperance. And Temperance is the card that represents Sagittarius in the deck, and it's a super beautiful card. It's an angel, and she's holding these two cups, and she's standing with one foot in the cosmic waters and one foot on land, right? Like I said, or am I from the ocean or am I from Earth? Right? The ruling planet Jupiter also ruling Pisces, which is the energy of the ocean itself. Like, I swear, maybe I'm from the ocean and space and Earth all at once. This is possible. And as she's standing with one foot on land and one foot in the water, she has these two golden cups in her hands, and she's pouring the water back and forth from one cup to the other. And I really think that the cosmic water kind of represents all of the wisdom that we attain while we travel and while we speak to others and while we dive into philosophy and these deep thoughts. And then pouring it into the cup, right? And she has her other foot on land. That's like, what can we bring back? And we come home again. And then we learn things at home and we integrate. And then it goes pouring back into the other cup again. And that's like when we go traveling, what are we bringing them from our home? right? Because I'm not just learning from everyone I meet, like they're learning from me too. This is like a reciprocal thing. And it's the beauty of humanity. And the way that we can grow, I highly encourage you to have a conversation with someone that you think is different from you and to just listen. Let them speak. Don't try to tell them they're wrong. Even if they're saying things that you think are bad, just let them talk for a little bit. And then if you really don't agree with what they're saying, start asking them questions. You know, ask them questions and have them answer the questions and see if they can themselves figure out some holes in their logic that you're seeing. It's a much gentler way to try to bring someone around to your point of view. If they're, you know, for instance, being like sexist or something like that when they speak with you, you know? Like, oh, women this, blah, blah, blah. And you say like, oh, why? Just keep asking them why, you know, like a (laughs) three-year-old. Just keep asking them why. And eventually they're probably going to get themselves into some kind of space where they're like, oh, I do see that that doesn't align, you know? This doesn't always work, but sometimes. And either way, you're learning more about like how that viewpoint comes to be, you know? And then maybe the next time you talk to someone with that viewpoint, you're going to understand them a little bit better and maybe be able to find some common ground a little bit easier, Right? And also recognizing that even if two people have a similar opinion, the details of that opinion are still probably different, and those two people are different. You know, we're all individuals, and we're also very social creatures. And I love to think about um, how much light is brought to this season. You know, in the Northern Hemisphere, this is like a very dark time of year. There's not a lot of sun, uh, but there's a huge emphasis on light at this point in time. I mean... The last day of Sagittarius season is the darkest day of the year. It's the winter solstice. And in lots of traditions, there are light bringing... um, What's the word? Practices. There are light bringing practices in a lot of different traditions for this time of year. You know, you think about the lights on the Christmas tree. You know, Kwanzaa's around this time as well. There's candles involved in that. Um, And for my own lineage, we talk about Hanukkah for a moment. Um, Hanukkah is called the Festival of Lights. And basically, you know, if you're not familiar, just very briefly, the story behind Hanukkah is that there were some, like, Jewish ancestors, and they were in a temple, and they were being attacked from the outside, and they needed to kind of, like, hold down the fort until the attackers went away. 
and they only had enough oil to burn the lamp for one night so everyone was kind of freaking out like what are we gonna do you know but they prayed to god and you know i think the flame itself when it was invited understood the direness of the situation and for some reason um it was able to burn for eight nights instead of one and you know i don't know if this is a physical event that actually happened but the poetry of it you know is that the quality of that fire was able to understand that with the fuel that it was given it needed to sustain and it needed to practice temperance and how much fuel it would use to create itself and by you know you can call it some miracle or maybe it's a story but either way, you know, it's given us this festival of lights. So every year, you know, for eight days straight, Jewish people will light a candle. So you light the one candle in the middle. You invite the fire to the one candle in the middle that's the highest. And it's like the most special, the most high. And then you use that flame from the middle candle to light the first candle on the first night. And that's very important. You don't use the lighter for both. Because we know that this one central column is the thing that feeds the rest, right? That this like in invitation of flame is sharing and spreading. And, you know, it's the same thing with like the wisdom when we travel. You know, to light a candle from another candle doesn't diminish the first candle at all. And to spread an idea from one person to the next doesn't diminish the first person at all. You know, and that's like what enlightenment is about right? It's just, you know, sharing ideas. And if it doesn't take, it doesn't take. But often it does in one way or another, even if you don't hear about it. We never know the impact that our words have after the fact, you know? But it's just important to be kind. And this whole month in Judaism is called Kislev, which means the month of rainbows. And that's all about light too, right? The light filtering through the water, the light filtering through the prism, <laughs> prismatic perspectives. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know? So, Kislev, it's like taking, taking a white light. It's like the totality of the whole spectrum of all visible color and a few colors we can't see as well and sorting it into its rainbow self. You know, and developing the idea of, like, multiplicity. And, like, the light is still whole when it becomes the rainbow. It's not less whole, it's just more seen. And that's kind of how I feel when I'm collecting perspectives from people. You know, it's like you put it through a prism and you see the full spectrum. And recognize that it's all parts of the whole, you know. Because the rainbow is not just seven colors, it's like an infinite number of colors, you know, if you really think about it. It's not just like you take your red marker, you take your orange marker, your yellow marker. Those are delineations, they're artificial delineations. But the true nature of the rainbow is that each color flows seamlessly into the next. And they all have their own qualities, and yet none of them have their own qualities because they're all the same thing. And I don't really know what that means in the context of people and ideas, but... I know what it means in the context of rainbows. And for an archer and a centaur running through the woods, looking far off over the horizon, identifying targets too far away for most people to see and pulling back on that bow, 
you know? And it just makes me wonder, like, what if the bow was a rainbow? Imagine how far your arrows could go if the bow you're using is a rainbow. You know, to see the sky's the limit, like, doesn't even quite touch it. So yeah, I just ask you, you know, like, what's on the other side of your fear? You know, what's on the other side of the mystery of that thing you want to do that you haven't done but you keep thinking about, you know? And if you're in that seat thinking about it all day long, maybe just stand up. You don't have to do it. But either you're going to or you're not, you know? So do with that what you will. I'm sending love. I hope wherever you're at in your life, in your space, um, that you're able to find some kind of adventure in it this season, even if it's just at home, or down the street, or a day trip, or a train across the country, or anything at all, really. Let yourself transform. Know yourself well enough to know that even if you transform, you're still going to be there. Okay? You're not going anywhere, but you're going everywhere. You're going somewhere. Leave a little room for luck.